Amen. Today we're going to talk about family. Mercy me. Oh, I love the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of the Gospels. Um, only 16 chapters. Within those chapters, it records the story of Jesus in a way that transforms lives. Today we'll be looking at the first chapter of Mark, starting at the 14th verse, the call of the first disciples. We're going to look at what that means and Hopefully, we'll have a good time in the sermon, that you'll be able to find some joy and also hear, hear the Word of God in your life. The scripture reads, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, there proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may see in these call stories, these men not only embraced the gospel, they followed Christ. Lord, let us know what it means to be family as we gather here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It has is, is always fascinated me that our story of the gospel, the good news, the Christian story, is about regular people everyday people, ordinary people. And this is no exception in this story where Jesus is calling his first disciples. Notice he doesn't go to the rabbinical school in Jerusalem. Notice he does not go to the elites of uh, the Roman Empire and the great intellects. He goes to regular folk <laughs> there by the Sea of Galilee. A few years ago, back in the 90s, me and my brother traveled to the Holy Land and we went to this very place here so by the sea where Jesus was calling these brothers, and they have a boat they dug out of the mud years ago, and the boat actually dates back to the time of Jesus. Uh, and they have it in a museum. They have a museum built around this ancient uh, boat, and it could have been one of Peter's boats. Could have been one of James and John and Zebedee's boats. See, these uh, families were in the fishing business, uh, in fact, they were having a big business because Zebedee even had hired hands. And you have to realize the Sea of Galilee is a big, it's not Lake Junaluska. Even though Lake Junaluska is based on the Sea of Galilee, its shape, they dug some, made it look more like the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so Lake Junaluska is, is very small. It's just a mountain lake. But the Sea of Galilee actually is an inland sea. Uh, in the northern part there of Israel, and it can get stormy real sudden. It's like the ocean. It's very deep, uh, and it's a dangerous place. And these men were fishermen in this place where they would catch the fish and bring them back and sell them at the market and feed their own families. This was their means of income. This was their means of business. They were carrying on a business. So Andrew and then Simon Peter, uh, just his brother and James and his brother John, and they were the sons of Zebedee. They all were running a fishing business there at the Sea of Galilee. So you can imagine. Now I lived with fishermen on the Outer Banks. 
they are an assorted lot. They have colorful language. They have great stories. And man, they are a mess. Uh, they don't call it wicked tuna for nothing. i tell you that right now. So I have a feeling that uh, these were some kind of rough dudes here by the Sea of Galilee. I don't mean to say they were bad guys. They weren't because they're the apostles of Jesus Christ. What I'm just saying is they're regular people living a regular life, going about their regular business every day, getting up. You ever thought about all the people rushing into Raleigh-Durham every morning and then they rush out of Raleigh-Durham every morning? They go to work. Regular people, ordinary people. And here comes Jesus. Jesus already been to the river. He's already been there with his cousin John, and the Spirit has shown up. And, and, and here's Jesus now is starting his public ministry. He realized it's only three years he's going to do this. Only three-year ministry, and he changed the world in three years. And the first place he goes here after the temptations is he goes here, and he's calling his disciples. In other words, he realizes he's not going to do this alone. He needs an entourage. He needs a group. He needs what we, uh, Lewis uh, is having an event coming up, aren't you, Lewis, where the coaches are gathered over in Lillington. And Lewis has invited me to go. Now understand, me and coaches, they run me all the time when I was a player. I've never been a coach. Now for Carolina, I'm a sideline coach, you know. I scream at the TV all the time. Because Roy, I, sometimes I wonder about Roy. Is Roy motivated? But I'm not going to talk about that. But see, uh, Lewis has this gathering of coaches that are going to gather. And, and see, coaches need a team. If they don't have a team, it's hard to coach. They'll be coaching their children on how to mow the grass out in the yard. Coaches uh, love to coach. And, and see, Jesus needs a team. Saviors need followers. And so Jesus is gathering his followers. And what does he do? He approaches it with a matter of fact. That's the first thing he does. Matter of fact, what he says is the time has come. In other words, this is the time right here, right now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, not a year from now. This moment right here is the moment that God has opened the door for you to enter into something. He said the time has come, the kingdom of God. Now, you can imagine these ordinary people, they hear in kingdom of God, they're wondering what in the world does that mean, this kingdom of God. We have to understand Jesus is inviting them into a relationship. He's inviting them into the family. And if you ever get into family, you're in. The family's hard to get into. <laughs> oh, people think it's easy. You just show up, go through the door. You're not into family if you just come through the door. People say, well, I go to the altar. I enter the family that way. No, you can't enter the family just by coming to the altar. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is near. The family is here. And he says, for you to be a part of the family, you have to do this. Children, I, um, I love forgiveness. I love forgiveness, but I love repentance more. So if somebody does you wrong, don't just forgive them. Ask them to repent of their sin. They do you wrong, you say, oh, well, are you sorry? Are you sorry? And sometimes you got to hold them down and say, are you sorry? Yeah, I'm sorry, uncle, uncle. Then you say, that's repentance. Then you forget. I'm not advising anybody to hold anybody down and make them say, uncle. But I am saying that God is making it clear to these men that he is about to call, that he's not just coming by going, you, 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 you come with me. No, that's not what he's doing. 
He's not just saying you, 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 and you're all welcome. He's saying you're going to come, but you got to do something first. And he says, repent. See, that's the matter of fact. The church is based on repentance. I once had a sinner tell me, oh, he was, he was a rough man. He was a drunk. I went to go see him in the hospital. He was drunk as a skunk. When I said to him, I said, you know you're drunk? He said, I am. And he said, and you know I don't like you, preacher. And I said, well, I'm here. And he punched me right in the stomach. He did. It hurt right in my stomach. And I looked at him and I said, Jack, you ever hit me again? I'm going to lay you out on this floor. And the security man was sitting there going, the preacher's going off on him. And I went, no, I'm not going to hurt the man because he's drunk and he won't feel it anyway. See, I said, I did come to see you. I'm not going to come see you no more till you straighten up is what I told him. He said, you're not a very nice preacher. You're supposed to forgive me. That's what he said. And I said to him, I forgive you when you repent of your sins. You straighten up. You want to be in my family. You got to obey my rules. See, Jesus is saying to these disciples, not just come and follow me willy-nilly. He's saying there's a relationship here, and the basis of it is first you have to repent and then believe. So he's walking beside the Sea of Galilee. Imagine the sea, and there's fishermen out on the water, and there's the little villages and the people living there. And here comes the Son of God himself walking in the midst of ordinary people. And he's looking over there, and there's a couple of these guys, and they're out on their boat, and they've been casting their net. And see, that's how they fish. They cast net. It's not like wicked tuna where you got the line and it snaps and they get the tuna. Uh, they were casting nets, and these were ancient nets, and they would throw them out and then pull them in in the boat and drag them to the shore. And so in this case, they're casting their net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus called out, and he says, come, follow me. Now, now, now understand everything Christ said that's red lettered in your Bible. There's a deeper meaning in what you hear. Always. I've been studying the Bible my whole life. I, in seminary, I loved the Scripture. As a little boy, I lived in the Scripture with my grandfather. We would talk about the stories to him. They were so beautiful, and I enjoyed them because they always revealed something deeper. So Jesus is saying, come, follow me. Now, what's the fact of this? He's calling them to say, I want you to come where you are to where I am, where you are to where I am. See, I was saying earlier, too, uh, we always have a committee meeting right before church over in the corner, don't we, Brad? And we usually deal with Carolina stuff first. That's the first thing we do. We get it off our agenda, and then we deal with other things. Uh, and, and the simple fact about it, I told them, I said, I don't like this idea people have about lean into. Y'all been hearing this lean into? It's silly. To lean into, I'm going to fall over because my weight's up top, and if I lean, I'm going to fall forward. Just like that mountain with that tube, and it's just not safe for a big man to be on inner tube flying down a hill. It just don't work. Now, understand, that's a, that's a metaphor of life. Your whole life is going to be going downhill out of control until you hit something. And that's something you're going to hit. It's either going to be grace and protection, or it's going to be sin and loss. So these men are ordinary people living their ordinary lives, and Jesus comes and he says, I want you to not lean towards me, but I want you to come to me. So he says, come here. Has your mom ever asked you to come here? Your daddy ever asked you to come here? What does that always mean? 
means you're in trouble, doesn't it? It means you got to do work. You got to, I don't know why, but dad loved to dig holes. And he would say, Drum, go dig a hole. And I'm going, why do we need a hole for? Because I say so, and it's my house. So I said, okay, I'll take the shovel. I'll go dig a hole. Then he said, now fill it up. Now, you may think that's silly, but he was, he was, a, he was a sergeant in Korea. He used, to, <laughs> he used to make soldiers do things. He did it to, to bend their will to his will. Now, you may say that he did psychological damage to me, probably so. I would think so, yes, sir. But I can tell you right now, I don't want to dig another hole in my life. I can tell you right now, right now I'm going to do right. I learned my lesson. Ain't nothing more silly than a man digging a hole and have to fill it back up. How many times do you not know what your right is? You only used to do in the army, you didn't know your right, take your right foot forward. They would put a brick in your right pocket so you would know which side was right. See, life is such that sometimes we have to be bent to God's will. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to stand over there. You come here. He said, come. And then he says, follow me. Now, their business is out on the water, but Jesus is about to turn them from their business to God's business. No matter what business you're in, it's God's business. If it's a sinful, if it's a sinful business, it's not. <laughs> uh, though some people would argue about that, and they would say, well, it depends if sinful is law-based. It's not. It's heart-based. It always has been. Sisters and brothers, even fried chicken can be a sin if you eat too much of it. And I have tried that, and, and it is sinful if you eat too much of it. Because you can tell, because sin usually has a tummy ache that follows immediately afterwards. If you live in sinful lives, you always have hangovers. You always have tummy aches because sin, it has repercussions to it. So Jesus is saying, I'm about to take you from your business of ordinary to my business of extraordinary. He says, follow me. And then he says, what's he going to do? I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now imagine uh, Andrew and, uh, and, and also Simon Peter going, what? We're going to be what? Fishers of men? See, uh, that's, that's, that's uh, kind of funny because when you fish, you get a hook, you know, you pull them in. See, preaching is about hooking people. My job is to, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you my little secret here. Oh, my Lord, I'm revealing my secret. My secret is to entertain you to the point that your head and your heart is laughing and then I get your soul because I get you thinking about something that you didn't come expecting. And God picked a real character in me. I used to dig holes for my dad and fill them back up. Because he wants me to share with you the call of Christ, to come here. God said, come here. Jesus is saying, come here. And at once, they left their nets. So it became a matter of faith, or just facts to a matter of faith. No longer was it just facts. Now it's faith. Now they know something more is happening. It's not just the daily coming in and going out. Now there's something to believe in. And I can tell you right now, people's lives are changed when they find someone to believe in. That's what the whole relationship thing is about with that significant other, that person you want to fall in love with, that person who's going to be your mate for your life and you marry them and perhaps there'll be children and perhaps there'll be blessing in all kinds of ways. But I guarantee you, this is not just a matter of fact. This is a matter of faith that God is calling us into a holy relationship, knowing that in that faith with him that we can find our salvation. And he's saying at once they left their nets and they followed him. 
Now, it didn't stop there. He kept going. He was on a roll. So he went a little bit further, and he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat. Now, now realize that most likely that James and John were bigger fishermen than Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and that their father was there, and they had hired servants, and probably one of the boats that was discovered is maybe part of their fleet. We don't know. But we know on that day that Zebedee's in the boat, and his boys are helping him, and he's out there working, and he's making his daily bread. He's a good, faithful Jewish man. He's going to the local synagogue. He's got these nice boys who are strong, and they're uh, just ready to take on the world, and they're part of his business. And so Zebedee is set, and, and he's just so happy. And suddenly there comes this Jesus coming by, and Jesus... He called them, and without delay, it says, they left their father Zebedee in the boat <laughs> with the hired men and followed him. So they responded, not with a matter of fact, but they responded with a matter of faith. And family is about faith. It's believing in each other. Y'all discovered that. Uh, by not having internet, you didn't have something between you and the other person. So you started doing other things together. And one of you now is a card shark. I bet it's you. I don't know who it is, but one of you playing cards now. I saw Uno. Uh, Uno. So when I was little, we didn't have these phones and all this technology. And we used to invent games. I'm my Lord, hopscotch. Anybody ever play? I was great at hopscotch. Anyone play tic-tac-toe? I was super. I know a way you can't lose in tic-tac-toe. My granddaddy showed me. It's cheating, but that's fine because it's tic-tac-toe. And he showed me, and he's a good man, so it means it's not a sin. See, see, see our Father has given us a way to win in life. And it's not cheating. We're not cheating death. We're not cheating the tax man. We're not cheating the government. We're not cheating with the debt collectors. <laughs> we're not cheating the boss. See, see, we're living life where we win. We're living to win. We're not living to lose. We don't want to lose. No one goes into a game to lose. Well, maybe somebody this afternoon will. <laughs> Because we all know who's going to win this Super Bowl, the Patriots. Okay, my Lord have mercy, Tom Brady. What is going on with this guy? What did he do to earn all this? It's not fair. It's not fair, but I'm, I'm a Tom Brady fan. I've finally been won over. You know, I'm not a Patriots fan now. No, Lord have mercy. But that man can throw a football. See, he's playing to win. He doesn't play to lose. See, these men are called from the ordinary to the extraordinary. And the extraordinary means no matter where I am in my life, no matter what circumstance I find myself in, my Father in heaven has my back. And that's what family is, having each other's back. I had lots of friends when I was young. In schools, every school I went to. I was quiet and shy, weren't a Miss Kathy at Harnett Central. I was very shy, but I had a lot of friends. Because friends are, friends are cool, you know, friends are or something, you know, you think about friends and you think about the people you went to school with and the truth is, but you know, a lot of them, God bless them, I don't even remember their names. I don't even remember anything about them. As you get older, that happens when you get hit in the head a lot, you forget things. See, it's nothing wrong with my friends. I love my friends, but the truth is I love my family more. And who is my family? See, Jesus is inviting these ordinary men into God's family. 
And they respond and they accept that call by being the first, the matter of the first. In other words, they take that first step. Not because their daddy did, their mama did, not because somebody told them to do it. They take it on their own. God is opening the door and saying, here's the deal. I'm over here. I want you to come to where I am. I want you to come to where I am. And where is he? He is in heaven. He is saying, I want you to take that step towards heaven. Now, when y'all were at the cross, I have a light bulb of the cross in the office, by the way. It's, it's a burnout light bulb. I didn't steal the light bulb from Lake Jenaluska. I was on staff. That would have been totally illegal, and I wouldn't have done that. But it's a burnout light bulb, and they take the old burnout light bulbs, and they sell them. And I have it in, inside of a little container. That cross has been lit continually every year since the early 20s, except during the Second War. It sets on the mountain there at Lake Junaluska. At that cross, I have answered God's call in powerful ways. I was at the cross in 1995 when God called me to that mountain. I was there visiting with the Foundation for Evangelism, and I was just visiting with them. I actually had done their website, the first ever website for one of the foundations in Methodism, and they invited me to come up, and here's this geeky preacher guy coming up there, and I go up through the cross, and I said, Lord, here I am, and you asked me to come here, and, and he basically let it be known that I needed to stay there, and, and the very same day I was at that cross, I went by the main administration building. They had a job opening for communication director. I don't have a communication degree. I have a history degree with a minor in English and a minor in business. And I saw the thing up there and I said, look you there. There's a communication director. And I walked into the main man's office, the president, the CEO of Lake Junaluska of the Southeastern Jurisdiction. And I said, here it is. And I'd taken it off the billboard and I handed it to him. And I said, I'm that man. He said, you are? And I said, yeah, hire me right on the spot. Well, we have a hiring process. I said, it's already done. It's settled. God wants me here. And he made a few calls. And next thing I know, I got hired the very day. Of course, he called the president of the foundation and some bishops. They already knew that I'd launched into all this stuff. They knew there was something going on. They knew God was asking an ordinary man to become an extraordinary man. And that very day, I got hired to be the first ever director of communications of the jurisdiction in all Methodism with a massive staff and a massive budget. And my call was to bring the internet, the thing y'all couldn't get up there, to the people. And then 10 years later, almost to the day, God called me back to that same cross one day at Genelosco where you guys stood and the picture was taken. And God told me to go back down the mountain, to leave the mountain. I didn't want to leave the mountain. Mountain's beautiful. House is there. Family was there. But you got to listen to God when he tells you to come. You can't say later, Dad. I see you later. I got things to do. I got stuff to do. It's amazing, these children, they grow up and you want them to be with you and they're always busy doing something else and then one day they want to be with you and you're either too old to know or not able because of circumstances. See, when our Father asked us to come, we better come. Not later, but now. And God said on that mountain, he said in 2006, he said to me, he said, you go back down the mountain. 
Now, I was expecting fanfare. I was expecting, you know, red carpet. I was expecting, because here I am, the man who invented the internet for Methodism. That's a joke between me and Brad, because he thinks I'm Al Gore, but I didn't invent the internet. I have no bank account of such. So I went back down the mountain. I was expecting, you know, appointment at one of the large churches up at Raleigh or something of significance to my position and value. And they stuck me at a minimum salary appointment down in the swamp. And I'm looking around going, what? God, you want me here? What, what's here? Why am I here? Now, that's been a few appointments ago, so you guys aren't in the swamp in the middle of nowhere. We're in Mamers. Soon to be a Hardy's in Mamers, amen. Well, maybe. I don't know that on fact because I don't really know the mayor yet of Mamers, but I'm going to learn the mayor, Miss Charlie, I think is the mayor, but I'm not sure. See, God said, come and follow me. And I took that step. And that was another first. That was the first step to him, and that was the first step away from him to go do his bidding. Because our Father doesn't just invite us to come and be with him. Oh, we enjoy his company, but he sends us on a mission. He's got something for us to do. He wants us to do something. All you parents of these young people, give them a mission this week. Tell them to come to you. You can invite them, Kelly. Say, come here, come here. And when they get there, you talk and you do your thing and wave your hands and do whatever you got to do to get their attention. And then after you got their attention, go give them a task to do. Now, I advise you not to have them dig a hole. You don't like digging holes, do you? I don't think so. So don't have them dig a hole unless there's a purpose in the hole. If you're going to lay a foundation for a new house or a new building, perhaps. But give them something to do. Because when you give people something to do, guess what? They do something. When you give someone in faith something to do, just coming to church is not enough. Come here. I want you to go there. I want you to invite others to come and know Jesus because the day is coming if they don't know Jesus, they're not going to go to heaven. They're going to go to the other place. See, Jesus is helping the disciples to repent and believe because he's saving their life. And they don't even know it. And people say, nothing's threatening me. There's nothing bad going to happen to me. I've never met a person, something bad didn't happen. Even to Jesus, something bad happened, called a cross. But that bad could not overcome the good. So parents, we have a responsibility to hold the ones we love accountable to help them know that repentance leads to forgiveness, which leads to redemption. I wish there were a card I could hand to everybody here and everybody goes to heaven. I wish there were just do not go to jail, just go, you know, bypass and you can collect. I wish there was such a thing, but there is not in this game of monopoly we're playing of life. It's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about fortune. It's about direction. It's always been about direction. Which way are we heading? And right now our nation is heading the wrong way. Our people are heading the wrong way. We're looking all the wrong directions. We're not looking in the way we're supposed to. What did Jesus have them on? He said, come and follow me because I'm going to take you to places you've never imagined. So without delay, they left their father Zebedee. <laughs> you imagine what Zebedee was doing. Where are the boys? 
James, John, where, where, where you boys? Uh, there they are. They're going. Who is that strange man? What, what's going on here? The hired hand's going, we're just hired help. We don't know anything. Zebedee's probably going, I'm going to talk to their mama when I get home. I can't believe they done took off and left me. See, your father in heaven is calling you. And he's telling us to go where he would have us go. See, family is about that trust. It's about that relationship. It's about that motion. It's about that love that God is calling us in to the Christian family. I, I, I celebrate. I celebrate this slow movement that God is doing here at Spring Hill. It is like a bubbling spring that is coming up and is giving waters of life. And, and, and you have, oh, there's smarter preachers than me, and there's probably bigger churches than this church. But something special is happening here. I saw it in the images. I saw it in the video. I see it in your faces each and every Sunday and through the week. I've seen you have hard times, and I've seen you have good times. I, I celebrate Miss Jean being here today. Just a few short days ago, you weren't able to be here, were you? You had a fall. You slid down a mountain. But you're up now because he helped you rise. Your family loves you. They love you so dearly. Your church loves you. You're here because we want everybody here to rise up. Because that's where we're going, is up. We're going home, to the real home, to our heavenly home. Let us pray. Dear Lord, let us take that step, that first step of faith towards something greater. Let us know that the facts of life are such, but faith is what wins the day. Lord, we thank you for the journey we're on and all that we learn and experience. We thank you for the love we find in those that we come to trust and know as friends and family. Lord, let us be your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.